call When all that you see Are actors on your television singing our key What savvy, well-versed heroes can settle the score Once more with TV Welcome, Scoobies and Snacks, to Once More with TV, a podcast celebrating TV musical episodes from the sublime to the subprime. And definitively ranking them using every theater child's worst nightmare, math. I'm your co-host, Alex Kovnatsky, he, him, and I am a survivor of many student theater productions. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Liza Trucial, she, her, and I've seen every episode of television. <laughs> thank you for joining us on our first episode once more with feeling the buffy musical episode which we've named our whole show after uh it is season six episode seven dropped november 6 2001 this is a post 9 11 episode (laughs) Um, how dare you (laughs) liza i want to know what's your relationship with buffy (laughs) I fucking love Buffy. Buffy was very formative to me in my early teen years, as I think it was to many folks my age, particularly women and queer mm-hmm. folks. And yeah, I'm I'm just a huge fan. I've seen this episode probably about like a million times. <laughs> I've listened to this soundtrack a million mm-hmm. times. I'm all over it. What about you? What about Buffy for you? Yeah, I also love Buffy. When people ask me what my favorite TV show is, I still often reply with Buffy or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is, you know, mm, other great other choices spectrum but um it's <laughs> incredible you know obviously joss whedon not incredible uh a person no. we don't love but he makes no. good stuff that also you know buffy has its problems as well too no i think most buffy fans especially ones around our age like millennials have a very you have to have a very nuanced relationship to buffy because upon each rewatch i feel like i see more of what i don't like about joss whedon in it and i have to separate that for me from what I do love about it. And uh, there are several great podcasts and books about this that we can highly recommend. That's not really what we cover here. (laughs) Um, Joss Whedon, we're not huge fans. This podcast was almost called Joss We Done, but that's actually not what it is about. Yeah, two podcasts with commas in them. Um. (laughs) Yeah, we're terrible at this. Uh, (laughs) Um, I I want to talk about this episode. Um, We've obviously talked about this episode in our personal lives a million times. It's fun to do it in this format Mm -hmm. where we're going to dissect every little bit of it. But let's thrilling. Yeah, let's start at the beginning. We get like a, an actual title card and uh, you know opening credits kind of thing. Um, very vintage. Yeah, I think it's the only time we stray from the Nerf Herder song that opens every other episode. I think this is the only time we we get something different. I just appreciate that, like right off the bat, we're doing a different episode. Like, this episode is going to break all of the rules. We're not even doing the intro like normal, you know? And I love that. It's very old Hollywood, too. You know, our faces in the moon. It's very, like, the bewitched intro. It's quite, like, campy. And I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah, we get, like, a fun and classic overture, too. Um, Like you were saying, very vintage musical. Um, And... I, I think one of the things that really struck me, because I, you know, we've watched this a bunch of times, but I, I've never really looked at it with a critical lens. That overture going directly into going through the motions is seamless. I, I really mm, love that. Chef's kiss. I know. It's actually delightful. And even before that, we, <laughs> On... we get the one shot, like a bunch of one shots of like people just kind of like doing their daily routine with no speaking Well, or we anything. get like, yeah, exactly. We get this montage of people like going about their daily lives and, but it's a very fun little like scene set up and it feels very... Uh, music theater e. Uh, the choreographer for this is Adam Shankman of Hairspray fame, and uh, you can tell what blocking he had <laughs> a hand in because to me that feels very like classic music theater. Absolutely, that blocking. Yeah, I think they use a different kind of widescreen lens for this as well too. Um, they do. Yeah. I will. Wa- I do want to point out one horseshit thing that they do though. They like start with this like alarm bell w- ringing, Buffy waking up, mm-hmm. and then going through the motions is immediately at night in a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we do skip like Giles is like handing her an axe and then immediately it's evening. <laughs> there's there's a lot of moments like that where I'm like, how many days have passed? I have no idea the I know, sense of time yeah. of this. It's a pretty ludicrous time jump to include in the middle of an overture. But then we do get going through the motions, which bops. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantastic song great lyrics nothing seems to penetrate my heart like i i live for that it's so strong love that um and i you know immediately and you and i love this and we'll talk about this a bunch but immediately they're taking everything so seriously right like this is just a straight musical we're going for it everybody nobody's winking at the camera the commitment is there like i think for me from like first of all the title card is intriguing like i'm i'm here i'm ready i'm on the edge of my seat and the moment i know we've all bought full in is when those two vampires and that demon like buffy is lying down in the foreground and we have a shot where the two vampires and the demon come in kind of doing like weird music theater arm (laughs) (laughs) swings and i'm like oh we're doing this like we're going full on camp like we are not winking we are committing and i'm thrilled one thing that i actually was a little bit surprised about is that i thought there would be like more kind of overt references to other musicals because we know Joss Whedon's a huge musical fan um, and it's clear in, in the writing in more subtle ways than uh, I expected. Like this is I, an I Want song. It feels almost like an, a Disney I Want song. Um, but it's there's not like a direct reference to like, I don't know, Belle in Beauty and the Beast or, you know, some other kind of specific song. Or Part of Your World yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was a really nice touch. It feels... The music feels incredibly original um, and very Buffy as well, too. I mean, that it helps when the person who writes your show is also a composer. That, like, does sort of help you. So, yeah, Joss Whedon composed all of it with the help of his then, his ex-wife, Kai Cole, uh, who I want to shout out. She's on the demo tracks if you're a big old nerd (laughs) and you want to listen Yeah, those demo tracks are uh, a little bit rougher, I'll say. They are. They're demos, though. They're allowed to be. be I I do think also the huge um, benefit of having your lead writer as your head composer is an understanding of cast ability. Like, everything's actually written for the people who are singing it in a way that is very especially when we're using found music it's like almost impossible to like match the vocal level of your team so like this <laughs> this um episode does rely really heavily on uh Tara and Giles and other ep- in ways that other episodes normally don't lean on Tara and Giles so heavily but they're really ta- they're the most talented singers so we lean on them and uh, this song is written to be pretty much within Sarah Michelle Geller's range. It's a little talk singy, which is what she's really good at. And so, yeah, there is a sense that everybody is, everybody's like doing something different and fun, but we're not really taking anyone out of their like vocal comfort zone, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah, and we see that a bunch um, with Xander and with Spike as well, too. I, I completely agree that the melodies are really specifically written for everybody's voices, which is pretty amazing, honestly. The last thing I want to say about this song before we move on, I I think it's kind of a big swing to kind of talk about how alone Buffy feels as like kind of the opening number. Um, And it works perfectly with the end of the episode as well, too, um, bookending that point. Um, I just think that's a really nice touch and an interesting version of an I Want song. Yeah, it's the I want song from someone who is currently emotionally disconnected from everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to write an I want song for someone who right now doesn't want anything. Yeah, who except... maybe wants to be dead. Um, season six yeah. is rough. <laughs> season six really did a lot for Buffy. <laughs> that poor, that poor, poor thing. Every time I watch the show, I'm like more on Buffy's side than the last time I watched it. Oh, like 100%. I just get more in her camp. Hundred percent. Um, and yeah, she's struggling. Uh, the only thing I'll say about the end of this is that the use of vamp dust as like a sparkle effect <laughs> is absolutely iconic and perfect. No notes. It's amazing. Yeah. And then and then uh, we kind of immediately get the reveal in the next scene. Like, hey, did anybody else burst into song? I love that. They. I, it almost feels like in every song they have like a button after the song that's like, isn't this crazy that we're all singing? Um, and sometimes I, you know, in a lot of other contexts, I would hate that kind of thing of like, 
you know, almost like a winking to the camera, like I was saying before, but it feels lived in. It feels kind of real for this universe that crazy things happen all the time. For this universe, they have to. Like, crazy things do happen in this universe, and even a break in medium must be addressed by the cast. And then we get out of that, we get I've Got a Theory, which is a really fun song, a really fun Why Are We Singing song. I love a fun Why Are We Singing (laughs) song. If done well, they're great. They're a huge swing again, but if they're done well, they're very fun. And, um, yeah, I love I've Got a Theory. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> and I, I love that, um, you know, we still have the kind of very plucked strings musical theater, like early 50s kind of musical theater kind of thing. Um, but then we have like the rock musical for uh, Anya kind of breaking out to Anya sing about bunnies. bunnies. Uh, honestly, that whole transition's jarring, but I love it. It's it's. It's quite jarring, but it's also, I think, very true to like Anya as a character who doesn't read cues at all. <laughs> And is going to do sort of her own thing and not listen to everyone else. So uh, I don't mind it. It's also, there are some really fun lyrics. Yeah, lyrics are and I've got a theory. I mean, specifically for me, when it turns to, um, when it turns into like a classic Buffy rallying the troops, mm-hmm. when she, you know, like the the apocalypse, we've all been there. Like just like <laughs> really tossing the rest of the show under the bus. Like the it's do or die. Hey, I've died twice. Yep. Yep. Like, so good. The, I, the, the bit with the witches as well, too. That long kind uh, of like yeah, Sondheim yeah. rappy witches kind of thing is great. Yeah. Xander covering for himself when he realizes that he's... <laughs> Slandering women, <laughs> which is every episode. Oh. Every episode, uh, Xander backpedaling. It's. I. I think the thing that I was really struck by too is that whenever they're singing in chorus, the balance and the mixing is like just so very good. I really feel like I can hear like each individual voice in not an annoying kind of way. They blend mm-hmm. really well. Um, which like kudos to whoever was editing and mixing that. Yeah. Um, and Giles is just so good. <laughs> Giles is great. And we, again, so like we really are relying on the people who are natural singers and Anthony Stewart Head uh, is great. And I love, I can never get enough of his like emotional echoes over the songs. <laughs> I think I giggle every time, but it's a sound not, I'm not laughing at him, but it's just a sound of sheer joy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like there's uh-huh. something, there's something so funny to me about this, like really like, um, sort of prudish and very like very stereotypically british and aloof character mm-hmm. getting all of those like emotional power <laughs> <laughs> there's something like that really works for me when he's doing that totally um i also just love giles i'm just such a huge fan of my tv dad giles yes. i mean he's, he's perfect <laughs> except for when he's not but he's still perfect except for those times when he's not but but let's not talk perfect. about those <laughs> the formula seems to be like let's get everybody singing together with a little bit of harmonies and then give Giles or Tara a counterpart that's like very tasteful exactly um, exactly yeah because they're the ones that can do it exactly it's great <laughs> um I think the next song technically is the mustard song <laughs> <laughs> yeah they got the mustard out incredible you gotta check if the rest of the world is infected yeah and actually you know that's a great note because it really feels like the whole world is infected with this throughout the entire episode like more so than I've seen in any other musical TV episode where it's like hey let's mm-hmm. treat this like actually the whole world is infected by this no we get multiple background goofs about other songs going on I mean like the, we've got this one they got the mustard out but then there's that parking ticket later on and there are also just people dancing in the background of scenes so like everybody's doing their own musicals which is really fun and of course like Don comes in at the end of the song and says like oh we sung in math class today (laughs) like it's (laughs) Everybody is singing, which is kind of delightful. It's so good. Like, By the way, uh, David Fury is uh, the mustard guy, and Marty Noxon is the parking ticket. Oh, like that's just God. so fun. That is so fun. Uh, two of the we writers love incorporating of the show. writers. Yeah, we yeah. love incorporating writers into the show. That's delightful. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the next song we get under your spell may be the best song in the show. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It might be. Maybe There's that's a conversation for later. Made. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument to be made. I think 
Amber Benson is so good. Mm-hmm. I love Amber Benson on like a lot of levels. It also just has to do with who she is as a person. I also think she's just like so. The one thing about this song that doesn't work for me actually is that Amber Benson is so beautiful. There's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to me that nobody else would have ever noticed her. I kind of believe it because like, t- she's done such a good job of characterizing mm-hmm. Tara as someone who is like socially quite. Um, uncomfortable and experience like clearly experiences a lot of social anxiety Mm -hmm. but it's still just like so wild to me that people would not notice yeah well some boys (laughs) do some boys do notice (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a very cute little joke um but yeah no she's got this great like kind of nora jonesy like that like early 2000s like that could have been there were a lot of singers who were kind of doing this shit Mm mm-hmm um, but she's got impressive range, too. Yeah. I mean, she carries all of our high soprano parts and a lot of our mezzo parts. Yeah. She's like... And and the hook on this song, too, is so good. It's such an earworm. And there's so many songs in this show where I'm like, oh, actually, I would and do um, sing the hooks of these mm-hmm. songs, you know? Um, there's also there's like a goof that Anya makes way later about asking if something is a breakaway pop hit or a book number. And like it does feel like every song in this show is divided on that spectrum. It's like either we're going for like a real traditional musical theater song or we're going for like kind of like a pop guitar kind of, uh, you know, alt pop kind of song of this era. Um, and totally. I think this is one of those. And it's so good. I, I really like this song. It's so great. There's also, of course, like the obvious double meaning and under your spell. Mm -hmm. So we're getting some fun play there with the idea that she is currently under a memory spell, which obviously she doesn't remember. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, playing with that is fun. And then, of course, it like really just hard turns into being a song about lesbians. (laughs) Yeah. That is delightful and feels like a real fuck you to censors Mm -hmm. um which is really fun i mean we do i mean we don't have to go over all of that it's very obvious but you know spread beneath her willow tree you make me come pleat she levitates it is like we are not we are barely barely in the world of entendre we're basically just yeah we're full in it yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and then the the hard cut i bet they're not even working that's just like it's such a good button on that it's so good it's such a good button it's such a classic to me like joss whedon smash cut joke Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he loves like a quick smash cut that comments on the scene that came just before it whether like usually when those people were not in the room to comment on that exactly he loves he does that multiple times in this episode, but it's a it's a really classic Buffy joke, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's very very fun. And it never gets tired for me. I like maybe maybe no. that's a personal. I bias, giggle every but time. It, it hits yeah. me every time. We have our like very brief first introduction into Sweet, kind of like a teaser. Um, should be should mention that Sweet is uh, uh, Hinton Battle, who's a three time Tony Award winner for. A bunch of wow. stuff. That I think he sense. always won featured actor, um, but he was also the original Scarecrow in The Wiz, which I think is very fun. Um, oh my god! Yeah, that is fun. Incredibly talented, uh, and he has Extremely. so much fun in this show. He's just having a great time. Yeah, but it's fun. About we're only we're about like we are about a third of the way in when we realize what the danger is here, right? Because mm. it's really all been all fun and games. We sort of like had a couple little sides of like we should really figure out what's going on here guys but everybody seems to be mostly sort of enjoying themselves until we get this person who tap dances until he combusts (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh buffy they don't make shows like this anymore really you know they really fucking don't (laughs) why are people tap dancing until they burst into flames (laughs) oh what has happened to tv (laughs) you're the expert you've seen every episode tell us oh my god i know um, it's bad now. <laughs> That's my ooh, entire review. That's, <laughs> no, I could take a, a different conversation. Is I could talk for ages about the good and bad effects of quote unquote prestige television. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we go into the only song that doesn't work for me. In Whoa, this. hot take! Mm-hmm. I feel so different. The hottest. I, please tell oh me. My God. Please tell me. I like. 
Okay, so the song we're talking about is uh, I'll Never Tell, which is Anya and Xander's little uh, duet. Things that do work for me. Anya's lingerie is so beautiful. Awesome. I could cry. Yeah. She looks amazing. Those her little shorts. She looks so phenomenal. Her hair looks great. Even though she just woke up, it's always like a real <laughs> pet peeve of mine on TV when like, or in movies when women wake up with like perfect hair and perfect makeup. But I'll forgive it because A, that's, a, that's not her fault. And B, it kind of works for this number, I think, actually. So I'm fine with it. I think it's a fun number, like musically. I think it's fun. What doesn't work for me is that they are, I think we can't decide on the world of what is diegetic and what is non-diegetic. Sure. Like, what are they saying to me versus what are they saying to each other? Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem to be a rule for it mm-hmm. because they can hear each other at times because they'll jump in on each other's, like, this is my verse, hello. Like, they'll jump in on each other's things. They'll rhyme with each other. But there's no these are things they're not saying to each other and they do not at the end of the song they have not heard what the other person has said Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. continuity wise so it always bothers me um what's really great about so much of this episode is that people have to sing what they feel we're taking Mm -hmm. that like idea of like you sing what you can't say in musicals super literally Mm -hmm. (laughs) you literally have to sing it right um but in this one, I can't tell when they are and are not hearing each other. Mm-hmm. And it bothers me. It just bothers me that they can hear each other in the song, but then at the end of the song, they haven't internalized any of that information. I, I hear what you're saying, actually, and I think that's a good point. And it's a problem later, too, when Giles has his song and Buffy's like, what did you say? Um, or did you say something? Or like something like that, where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I guess all of that was internal singing. Um, but this one confuses it more because some of it is is clearly internal and some of it is like, oh, I'm going to directly respond to the thing you said. Um, exactly. Yeah. Just either for me, just make it all, make the whole song internal or make it all external or just make the break clear. Uh-huh. Like, I just can't tell when we can hear each other and when we can't. And it has like huge implications for their entire relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it really, it's not, it's someone kind of drives me crazy. I'm not gonna lie. For me, I, I don't mind it so much because it's kind of like the hokey campy thing of old school movie musicals, especially where we have that sure. kind of like fixed set and moving camera at times. I like, I really mm-hmm. like that aspect of it. And like, it's, it's very cheeky. Um, and I think it's some, quite cheeky. Most and of we've that, got like some really fun rhyme schemes going oh, on too. Crazy rhyme schemes. Like, am I crazy? Am I dreaming? Am I marrying a demon? We <laughs> yeah. could really raise the beam and make marriage a hell. Like that is a fun riff. The <laughs> like, lyrics are so good. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know. I, I get what you're saying. I guess I just don't care as much about that, <laughs> that bit. I'm like, I, be inconsistent, whatever. I, you know, I, I love again when they're like, you know, they end with that laughter falling down. It feels so vintage to me. And then they cut immediately to like, why are we singing? This sucks. Um, is so Yeah, they're funny. like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> I, I think for me, I remember first time watching Buffy, the Hell's Bells episode where he leaves Anya at the altar is like so oh, wild to me that yeah. that happens. And I mm-hmm. feel like this is our first like real big taste of that happening so soon. Um, uh, or like so near yeah. when that episode actually happens. So I think looking back on it, I'm reminded of Hell's Bells and I go like, oh yeah, this is crazy that this is happening. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean like I, I, you know, for all of Buffy's flaws, I think sometimes they do really good job hinting at character arcs. Like I think Willow's like character arc is so almost unparalleled in television, honestly. Like Everything about Willow that goes sideways is there from, like, episode one. It is totally insane. Um, so, yeah, I do think they're, they're, we're clearly building Xander and Anya. We're trying to illuminate the cracks in that foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, I think, yeah, that's what actually drives me crazy, is if they heard each other, they would have to have a conversation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about all These the things two are they never just said. Have we might have played that episode. I know yeah. they're not. That's the point of the song. <laughs> but then don't converse yeah. in the song. Anyway. <laughs> last bit, last bit. I love how much both of them mm-hmm. commit to the dancing. Um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Xander, but like, I re- he really does commit to the dancing as bad as he is. Um, he's and, terrible, but he's there. Yeah, but that's exactly that's exactly what should be happening for the character in that moment, right? That feels authentic, mm-hmm. um, and I really like that. Um, yeah, we're we're getting up to Spike. 
um, your boy Spike, who, re- quote, remains immune, right? <laughs> I fucking love Spike so much. And um, he has just, like, Spike is this, like, magical male character for me where he has just, like, I love these guys that have just, like, absolutely no chill. Like, Spike is someone who just has never chilled out about anything in his life. And, um, yeah, again, we're we're doing that very literal, like, you have to sing mm-hmm. about your feelings thing. Like, Spike clearly doesn't want to. And he even starts, he even rolls his eyes when he starts singing. He's trying really hard to get Buffy out of the room so he won't <laughs> sing about how he loves her. <laughs> And it's such a delightful dynamic. It's so good. Rest in Peace is such a banger, too. I, you know, we're getting more of the, like, pop-rocky kind of vibe, which, like, again, even which fits... Which works for Spike. It, it fits yeah. Spike. It also fits Buffy, and it also fits kind of musical theater at the time, too. That's, like, our Spring Awakening. I guess Spring Awakening mm-hmm. hadn't come yet, but, like, this is, like, rent-ish into Spring Awakening kind of territory. Sure, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, it makes so much sense for Spike's vibe. Again, like there was a there's a joke in season seven that Billy Idol stole his look off of Spike. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> it's a really good one. Um, it's also for this one. It's all in the cell. Like mm-hmm. this is like you know James Mercer's is not like a particularly great singer, but mm-hmm. he's so in the moment that you can't not watch him and you can't like not enjoy what's going on. 100%. Uh, such a commitment to the bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) such a delightful uh such a delightful song i think too i think it really does such a good job of distilling that buffy spike dynamic of he does not want to be in love with her at all exactly (laughs) this is happening against his will and he's very angry (laughs) i i love it it's so good um i have a question that who is having a funeral at night like why is that happening at all (laughs) I don't know. Maybe all of their friends were vampires. I have no idea. That's interesting. I kind of like that for them. But, you know, like the button on this song is like kind of like he's fallen into that grave and then Buffy like jumps out and runs away and he pops out and goes, where are you going? (laughs) It's like it's also such a spike thing Uh where he's like he's all he's all bark and no bite with Buffy for this season. Exactly. I mean, he can't bite because he has a chip in his head. Um, (laughs) Literally can't bite. Literally can't bite. All bark and can't bite. (laughs) Uh, A little interlude in between uh, the next bit that happens is Don breaking the news about Willow and Tara fighting, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, w- talking about the stakes of this episode. So much gets revealed in this episode. Um, God, it's it's wild. Um, and I love that the I'm under your spell like uh, backing plays when this news is broken and um, Tara like touches the flower and like that you know chorus happens i think it's just it's fun i love this kind of stuff it's overt but like it's it's great yeah we also get a really um this is another like really wonderful example of utilization of your cast's talents which is we start dawn having a song Mm -hmm. she's not good Mm -hmm. (laughs) she sounds pretty whiny so we immediately turn it into a ballet number yeah i my (laughs) which is really fun (laughs) my note for dawn's lament was short and then it's the next one um but uh i i found out after the fact that apparently she asked to like not sing too much because she doesn't like the sound of her own voice and wanted to have the ballet sequence instead because she is a dancer and i think that's nice to like kind of have like okay you're gonna have to do a little bit but like we'll give you your dance number like i love that flexibility it's great and she just does a great job at ballet acting like she's clearly a ballet uh dancer she's clearly trained she's got great movement and um, I love a good bit of ballet acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ballet acting's fun. So yeah, I overall enjoy uh, the ballet, and nobody else really does that. Nobody else has um, long solo dances. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to let her shine in the way that Michelle Trachtenberg is talented. Mm-hmm. I also like on a on a random note, like Buffy villains often, uh, you know, have the craziest costume, makeup, mask design that often doesn't work. I really loved mm-hmm. the masks, though, in this. I felt like, especially since that scene was all silent, I think, like, non-moving mouths of those masks were, like, pretty cool. Um, but... Uh, it's very Nutcracker. Yeah, that, that's it what it was, you, like, yeah. That is what it is. Yeah, it's very Nutcracker. They're wearing these big puppety wooden masks. Mm-hmm. 
And then we finally get actual sweet. Finally. Um, God. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about this villain of the week? I mean, I fucking... Sweet is probably my favorite villain of the week period um he's such a delight uh he's so talented as we've mentioned that this is such a fun sultry like jazzy kind of number to intro someone in he um does a very fun Beyonce homecoming uh costume transition uh-huh, uh-huh. I love blue. that uh he is really fun the only note I have really actually about this is that it's been so long he has an incredible range mm-hmm. this 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 singer he's unbelievably talented it's been so long in his lower register when I think his upper register is so much more engaging yeah. I just wish he was allowed to like it, I don't think Everything else feels like it was written for that person. Mm. And for him, it feels like we're underutilizing him. Like, I just want more of him. Yeah. Um, I, I think, though, I will say to counter that, I think that works for it, though, right? Like, the understatedness and the kind of, like, not showing everything yet makes us lean in a little bit more. Um, mm. And I, I, I okay. find him a little bit more menacing when he is, like, showboating a little bit less. Um but mm. but I agree with you. I like I wish we kind of utilized his strengths a little bit more, especially towards the end when things kind of get more climactic. Um, but yeah, totally. It's so good. No, that's a good point, though. Like, no, he's amazing. He is so fun to watch. He's so engaging. He's so talented. Like you just, you know, those performers where they just come on and you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, you know what you're doing. Fine. Like I can sit back. I'm safe. I can just, I can just be here. You let you do your thing. Yeah. And he really has that effect on this episode. The very beginning, I don't know if this is a reference to, but the very beginning when he's like doing the little tap dancing down the stairs, the stairs. reminds me of the Nicholas brothers, that like famous routine. And I think yeah. that's an homage to that. It, it reminds me of that, too. I assume it must be if we both thought of it. Yeah, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, maybe it's just that we are nerds. I have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? I think I think we might be nerds. I think that, that might be we part might of it. Be. Yeah, I also uh, want to say that, like, maybe this might, like, muted trumpets, whenever they do that, is that the most sexy noise you can make of all time? Is that Oof. is that it? Oof, it might be. I mean, it's up there. It's up there. I'm very seduced by a French horn. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie okay. to you. I find a French horn extremely seductive. <laughs> That's an interesting one. I know. I don't know. Something about it. It's so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, afterwards, we, we see Buffy training with Giles and like, I also wrote a note here of just like, man, I miss 20 plus episode orders where we just get to watch people train and like do random other stuff that doesn't, you know, have to like move the plot super far forward. Yeah. I love a filler episode. (laughs) I literally just saw Buffy training and I was like, I miss this. I miss seeing Buffy train. Like that's just such a nice little touch. Um, And uh, we, we we got some Giles time. We get heavy Giles time with standing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a sad song. I mean, of course, by this point in the show, um, Anthony Stewart Head was clocking out a bit. He mm-hmm. had realized when they signed the new order for uh, for season six and seven, which were going to be on a new network and therefore required all new deals. Um, he'd realized that he had like two young kids and he hadn't really been present mm. for their entire lives because they lived in England. Yeah. So he made the extremely reasonable decision to cut back his time on Buffy. So we have to kind of exit Giles, which sucks. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's very sad and it's genuinely very affecting yeah. for me still. Totally. Um, I don't love love this song it's fine mm. i do think anthony Stewart head does a great job i think like that's what really is in it for me it, i don't think it's the most musically interesting mm. of the songs here yeah i i wrote here that it's like very kind of like understated dad rock kind of thing i actually i like this song i think the melody is really nice but maybe it's because i like dad rock too um, yeah, it's very dad rock, it's, which again, he's our dad. Is. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. And I really like the, the sequences where he's like throwing ninja stars and Buffy's like kicking them in slow motion. Like, I don't know why that that whole sequence is moving to me, but I, it is. Um, 
And we were raising the stakes, too. I don't know if this is the first time we get a hint that Giles is one foot out the door, but I feel like it is, potentially. It's either the first or it's the first explicit mention of it, I'm pretty sure. I think before that, we've had like moments where he's sort of shirking when Buffy's trying to put a lot of responsibility on him for her daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see moments of him not enjoying that. But I do think this is the first time we full out like with he says with his chest mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna leave you yeah. know but you're right to what you were saying before that like so many of these songs allow these characters to be introspective and like have their own kind of i want moments and feel like motivated mm-hmm. to sing about the thing that they're either insecure about or contemplating or whatever um i think they do that really well um throughout this and this is just another example of that Totally. It also makes me feel like each character, like our team is living a musical and the songs work together enough that they sound like a collective musical, but the different styles are enough to lead me to believe that everybody is also in their own musical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think Anya and and Xander are in their retro pastiche and we've got Giles and his like dad rock show. Yeah, exactly. We've got, you know, (laughs) we've got different shows going on and Giles is is going to be a different, uh, different kind of speed than everyone else's, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we we have a reprise under your spell and standing reprise. You know the like small touches of like the I guess it's not a small touch, but like the superimposed head with Giles in the background is like so Later old Chris. school as well too. Yeah, um, it kind of works. It it's works so stupid that it works. It's, You're just like okay. It's so dumb uh, that it works. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it works. Yeah, we're we're sort of melding these two worlds of again like. Uh, I mean, the the uniting line is, I wish I could stay, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, uh, of course, Tara has learned that her mind is being manipulated. Pretty toxic (laughs) element Mm. of her relationship, um, magical or not. And uh, Giles has to leave, too. And so there's something very, like, genuinely affecting to me. Again, these are our two best singers. Mm -hmm. So that has something to do with it. They can put a lot of emotion into their voices. And they're doing these sort of counter melodies that really work. And then they're both looking at the women they love, being like, I wish I could be here for you. And I can't. And it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) The the counterpart is really, really great. I think it's really pretty. I think... It doesn't 100% work towards the end when Tara's holding all of her stay lines. Um, mm-hmm. I just wish they had another pass with that and like change yeah. the melody a little bit. Give so, her a little bit more to do. Yeah. It, yeah. I, it also is just like the, the notes don't really line up. Um, but, I, I you know, it's it's such a smaller thing that it doesn't bother me so much. Um, but, yeah, I, I I think this whole number is really, really moving, like you said. Yeah, it gets me. It gets me. Um, then we have like a little bit of, of dialogue. Everybody starts kind of fighting. This is when our, our tensions kind of come to a boil a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is also where Anya says the breakaway pop hit or book number, which I wrote down. I love <laughs> I just love that line. I um, love her. <laughs> yeah. Love Anya. And it's nice that we have this moment of of the Scoobies all fighting before we get to walk through the fire. It feels it feels more cathartic when we're all together um, with that. Um, but yeah, walk, walk through the fire is another banger there too. Walk through the fire rocks. It's very like music theater. We're all doing our little lines. We're all going to come together for the group number. We haven't had a group number in a minute. We've been doing a lot of solos and duets. Yeah. We haven't had a group number since I've got a theory, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's really very fun to get back to like a, a good old fashioned like 11 o'clock number. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fun. And I think they do a good job again of bringing up the fact of how alone Buffy feels in this moment as well, too. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I think this whole sequence is great. I love the, I think my line is mostly filler. That gets me literally it's every like, time. It's very funny. <laughs> it's also very, uh, it's coming off of Spike going, um, first he'll kill her, then I'll save her. And he goes, wait, no. <laughs> he'll save her, then I'll kill her. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like, again, that, that dynamic of Spike and Buffy, where he's just like so infuriated that he loves her so much <laughs> and does not know how to handle it in any kind of way. It's I so find funny. extremely charming. Yeah, <laughs> this is a super nitpicky uh, thing for me, but I always mm. on the very end, I always want either way more harmony on Burn or way like or just unison. 
Um, because like it's either like they're all meshing and harmonizing together or they're not metaphorically and I feel like they just harmonize on the last burn and it's just like a little bit I just want either a lot more or a lot less Mm. Um, I see that I think that makes sense but I love the kicking down the door and then getting into the next song like kind of right away Mm -hmm. it's delightful well the next song is something to sing about which as you kind of mentioned before is such a brilliant and direct continuation of our opener Mm -hmm. it's this idea again that buffy cannot feel anything right now and it sucks yeah and (laughs) i I think that paired with the she needs backup is just so great oh my god the she (laughs) needs backup line line is so iconic um (laughs) because yeah we just go in and we start singing backup it's Mm -hmm. unbelievable um Everybody else is cowards. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. No, it's delightful. The choreo here is really wild. It's this very angry choreo. I'm not 100% sure it works. No. Um, It's very weird to me. And I think the choreo is very like, it seems very fight based, which does make sense for Buffy's character Mm. and for probably Sarah Michelle Gellar's skill set. Like, I don't think she is a dancer. I think she's probably more comfortable in the like karate kind of language like body wise and so yeah i mean the choreo doesn't uh land for me i think it's very weird but um you know it is supposed to be she's losing control so i guess we can kind of give yeah they have to show she's gonna do her own version of tap dancing herself to death so like and buffy would never tap yeah it, it, (laughs) it doesn't quite work um everything about this song is a little bit all over the place for me but I don't care so much because, like, we get to the thing that we need to get to in a good way, I think. The revelation that, like, 100%. Buffy was pulled out of heaven, like, really hits in the middle of the song. I also, like, I really, I've always kind of hated the heaven and living refrain. I was pulled out of heaven. Mm. I know it's supposed we to be. We go immediately into, like, discordant, like, minor shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's, that's, like, the point. And it does stick in my head. I think about that, like, little you know two note melody all the time but i I hate it every time it comes up and i think that might be a personal problem but uh it is what no i kind of feel the same way if i'm honest i mean like i get it i get why it's happening um it it is something that to i think to most music theater kids is so uh familiar because of people like sondheim Mm -hmm. um who do that so intentionally who leave phrases unresolved and who intentionally put characters uh, into like, you know, throw just throw a flat or a sharp in there when you're not expecting it, something that's not the key signature. Yeah. <laughs> that is, you know, so that is such a classic of Sondheim. Sondheim does it um, a lot better. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, son- the thing to surprise. me is that, <laughs> I know, but the thing to me is that when Sondheim does that, if you're going to, it still has to sound good. Yeah. And to me, it doesn't sound good mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Like in a in a Sondheim, you won't notice it's happening sometimes because it sounds so, um, this it's not so jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's subtly jarring, which totally. I think is ultimately more effective mm-hmm. than me being pulled out of the moment to think about how discordant this is. 100%. I think you said that so well. That's exactly what I've been trying to hit on, too. And I I think we should also mention, it's so easy for us to say something like this. Oh, my God. You know, know that, right? that sounds like a really hard thing to do <laughs> melodically. So um, and I love yeah. the swing of doing it. Like, I think the show takes so many huge swings, and I, I, that's what I love about it. And some of them, the, some of the things don't work, but uh, more of it works than doesn't work. And I think 100%. That's, that's the main 100% thing. 100% agree. And then, yeah, we do get to, I mean, the stakes are enormous here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're singing what we can't say, and Buffy, for the last, like, six episodes of this season has been withholding that she was in heaven and everybody pulled her out yeah. uh, because she knew it would hurt them to hear that. And now we're in a, in a world where she has to sing that to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still one of the greatest like, Oh shit moments for me ever is Buffy being like, Oh, I thought I was, I think I was in heaven and I don't want to be back here anymore. And it's like, Oh my God, what a like good version of like, the consequences of bringing somebody back to life because I feel like so many other media doesn't do that choice. A hundred percent. Like the idea that Buffy's death was not traumatic, being brought back to life was, Mm -hmm. that is totally 
that had not been done up until this point, I mm. don't think. And we as the audience know already because we learned in like episode three, I think, of the season when she tells Spike. Spike's the only person yeah. she tells. So it does sort of set up also Spike as this sort of confidant for yeah. Buffy, which he's going to be throughout season six. So Spike knows, mm-hmm. uh, which also informs his response to this. Like he is not shocked. Yeah. He's just like, okay, okay, moving on. But it is the first time the rest of the cast is hearing it. Yeah. And everybody does good work on the reactions as well, too. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think you really feel the weight of it from everybody else's uh, reactions. And that's that's tough. Um, it is tough. We do get an equally shocking reveal that uh, Xander called the team. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny reveal it does get me every time it's so good it's so good because i always get tricked into like oh yeah don called the demon duh of course and then every time well she asks at one point like if you know that xander called the demon it's weird how pointed don is about well do they know who summoned it really puts a lot of sauce on that line if she doesn't have like a personal investment exactly Um, so it really does feel like she's covering something up for like the large part of the episode but no, it's Xander, which is how we get out of the uh, sweets terms of the deal, which is that <laughs> yeah. he takes whoever summoned him as his bride. He goes, we'll waive that. Don't I, worry. I mean, I do. I do love that. He's just kind of like deuces. I just fucked up your whole shit. I don't care. I I'm going to go do he something really, else. He really just chooses violence <laughs> really by does. a musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that as a vibe. Yes, I'm yes. Something so we can in. all relate to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just sowing abject chaos uh-huh. in musical theater. Yeah. He really, really does just peace out. He's not really... We kind of... Uh, I think giles has in this last song where do we go from here mm-hmm. giles has lines like the battle's done and we kind of won <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly he just left i don't know if we won we didn't really vanquish him but he's not here anymore so yeah. i guess it's fine <laughs> and i i mean that kind of like feeling of like oh like kind of in between tragedy and comedy kind of thing feels very sondheim to me as well too like feels like kind mm-hmm. of into the woodsy uh sweeney toddy kind of like oh uh we won question mark um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love that spike leaves halfway through that song it's so good yeah the idea that like the effect is now wearing off like we have this residual last music theater effect but it's wearing off enough to the point where spike has the agency to Mm -hmm. like be doing a dumb little like rainbow motion with his arm (laughs) being like wait fuck this (laughs) this is stupid (laughs) and like walk out it's really quite delightful (laughs) yeah um, I do, I do like though, I actually, I, maybe I'm, I'm in two minds about this, but the part right after where Spike and Buffy get, uh, their song together as well too in the coda, um, mm-hmm. where they, we end with a kiss feels very like musical movie musical kind of thing to me. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. And it is another big... The curtain closes on... The curtain closes on a kiss, God knows. Exactly. Like, that's one of the lines in Where Do We Go From Here? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we do... That is another kind of, like, raising of the stakes of, like, Buffy and Spike, potentially, you know? Um... I mean, that's their first uh, kiss that was not in Spike's dream once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That's right. <laughs> um but I, I don't know. It does feel a little bit out of place for me. I, I, I don't know if I like it or don't like it. To How be dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like it comes, it comes a little bit out of nowhere. Like there isn't Fuck momentum right into off. it. I cannot believe you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go in. <laughs> I am like a big Spike Buffy fan. I... Mm will defend myself on a different podcast about why I am that <laughs> despite everything that happens there are moments um but I do think that like their tension had been building for me so solidly since like season five when he sure starts sort of having like that crush on her mm-hmm. and um yeah I think like it really to me, it really works like this advent of their relationship as being something that is ultimately like she is using him. And that's what she says mm-hmm. when she like goes in for this. She's like, this isn't real, but I just want to feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's like I think it really works even based on this, like what just happened in the 
in the song before when again she reveals this horrible horrible thing that's happened to her and spike is the only person she can talk to about it because Mm -hmm. spike is dead Mm -hmm. and (laughs) like he's so i think like it really works for me that like she would feel that closest after having that moment with him where she is so clearly separated from everyone else and now they know why but he's still a safer space mm. for her. And two, again, both of their detriment, like what she's going to do is like sort of, you know, use him and destroy him emotionally. Even if he doesn't seem to care that she's doing that, it's going to be detrimental to both of them for a while, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, to me, it really works. To me, it's a very exciting end to an episode also. Just it like, it's such a classic way to like, just raise the stakes Mm -hmm. again like we've really the stakes on this episode have been so sky high and then we like we haven't had buffy in a serious relationship since riley that's true yeah at this point so it's been like a really long time since we had her with anyone that was recurring Mm -hmm. uh much less a main cast member (laughs) and so uh and yeah it's for me as like you know one of the og uh spuffy stands um i was really waiting for this kiss and like went crazy <laughs> when this happened just went absolutely feral that's a that's a good point I, I i think those are very fair points to be honest yeah and then that yeah like you said that's curtains it's curtains i mean literally curtains close literally oh, curtains delightful yeah. uh any last thoughts about the episode before we we score this sucker I think we just got to score it, man. How about you? No, I, I want to go in. Let's score it. Let's get into the scoring. We have a 10-point scoring system with 10 categories. Each category is going to be scored from 0 to 10. Our first category is general vibe. This is where we talk about how much we enjoyed it. How well is it aged? Was it problematic? Is it just a good episode of TV? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm the vibe really is strong. ready to give this a 10. <laughs> sitting here itching on the one key but how about you yeah no tenet um there's nothing that's (laughs) aged poorly about it for me in my mind xander's maybe his most likable in this that's crazy a miracle (laughs) a miracle for a profoundly unlikable character yeah Um, i i have no notes i think the vibe is great great uh all right next category Uh, We got the music category that is going to include the arrangement, the composition, original versus found music, the chords, the melodies, how listenable it is. Man, this is also pretty darn strong. It's going to be high. So generally for original versus found music, uh, original music automatically gets a higher score, automatically gets more than five. mm -hmm. Right. But this is pretty good original music with minor notes that you and I have made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. there's but. also so many songs that like it gives it more room for there to be error. Um, That's so true. Yeah, I I want to give this a ten. I don't think there's 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 small nitpicky things, but there's so but much. But there's not more enough good. to demote a whole point. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and give it a ten. And I think listenability alone. I you know I have listened to this soundtrack so many times and like genuinely enjoyed doing that. 100%. I think that's gotta give it a ten. A hundred percent. Yeah, let's give it a ten. <laughs> this is getting. This is going to be silly. All right. <laughs> What's the point of the scores? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Our next category is lyrics. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. We're talking about rhyme schemes. We're talking about slant versus perfect rhymes. Doesn't match the character's voice and the tone of the show. Um, it does. That's a ten. Yep. Lyrics are crazy in this. <laughs> The lyrics are next yep. level. These are like genuinely good musical theater lyrics. They're genuinely really fun. Yep. They get a 10. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Dancing. Uh, this is where we talk about, uh, well, choreography, the difficulty of that choreography. How well is it executed? Um, do people dance fight? And yes, they do. They Here do. we have mm-hmm. fight slash dance choreo, which is thrilling. <laughs> Um, you know, this is, again, choreographed by Adam Shankman, who is a good choreographer yeah. overall. We have noted moments where, I mean, like people are committing to the dancing, whether or not they are dancers. There are really great choreography moments. There are moments that don't work as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Where are we falling here? So I think the the only thing, the only couple of things that I can think that are flaws in this is that uh, 
Sarah Michelle Gellar like dancing, tap dancing to save her life kind of thing um, mm-hmm. is doesn't work for me. That whole song, even though no. the backup dancers bit is in that, which is incredible. Uh, but yeah. I also feel like we don't get like uh, I guess it's it's not super necessary, but I would have liked maybe a more um, you know uh, more people dancing together, choreographing like they do for the mustard bit. Um, yeah, there's very little classic group dance number mm-hmm. going on. Uh, kind of only like group choreo we really get besides the mustard song is during uh, where do we go from here? And that's pretty minimal. Yeah. It's mostly standing in different lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> classic choreo. Yeah. <laughs> but Anya and so, Xander's yeah. dance number, I love. Very sweet. I think that's very fun. I love that number. And I love, uh, again, Dawn's Ballet, we talked about, I think is really really fun so yeah um i think it's still gonna be pretty high yeah i'm feeling like an eight like like a solid yeah i think an eight is a good call uh next category is performance this is vocal performance but also acting performance yeah i mean i think again everyone really does their fucking damnedest and Mm. um i think there are really great vocal and acting performances in here i think um i'm always gonna campaign sarah michelle geller should have won like eight emmys oh my god (laughs) over the course of this series it's stupid every every time (sighs) i rewatch the show i'm like wow she is so good and she like really grows with the character and we i've never seen a character quite like buffy on screen since Um, it's almost like you take for granted that Buffy Buffy feels so natural that you almost think that Sarah Michelle Gellar is just doing herself, yeah. like not acting. Yeah. Like she almost feels like she's not acting, but she's acting her ass off. And the idea that, you know, again, she's like coming back from this unbelievable and this unbelievable trauma of mm-hmm. being pulled out of heaven. And like she's doing, and it was so funny. I rewatched this show with my partner who never seen it mm-hmm. crazy, but, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and I wanted to like scream at him because for the first few episodes of the season, when you don't know what's happened, yeah. she just seems weird yeah. and detached. And like, you don't understand why she would be like that. And I just wanted to scream at him that, no, she's doing an incredible job. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get it. Yet. I was like, you don't get but it. I, I also think she does, a, acting. <laughs> she does a better job with that over more seasons as well, too. Like, I think she mm-hmm. like refines it and makes it more specific. And it's a hard thing to do. I think it's an incredibly hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, give me a 10. 10 for performance. Yeah. Let's just throw it in there. Let's just do it. We knew it's going to be there. <laughs> um, writing. I mean, relatively uh, self-explanatory, yeah. this one. But this is mostly book. We've talked about lyrics. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is mostly book. And God help me. <laughs> I do really like the way Joss Whedon writes. Yeah. Me too. I I do think the show or like the episode in general kind of loses momentum in the latter half of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that's also a little bit intentional as like more and more things get revealed and it becomes just a bummer in general. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it takes season only in season six of Buffy would you have a musical episode that's still a bummer, you know? Um, God, one of the most depressing seasons of television that exists. So Just good. unbelievable. Injected straight into my veins. I love it. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I have many notes about the writing, though, after saying that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty solid. Like we said, we get some really classic Buffy-style jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Buffy has a line in here at one point where she's, you know, I'm not exactly quaking in my stylish yet affordable booth. <laughs> yeah, classic, classic. <laughs> absolutely classic you know i just love the way buffy speak is so specific mm-hmm. and um many have come since and tried to imitate it and i've quite gotten there they can't. they can't it's infuriating when i feel the way i feel about joss whedon but yes. uh i do think you're right in that it loses some steam for a minute there mm-hmm. um and you like know we nine? are doing yeah yeah I think yeah. nine is good. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no. I, I think you're right. You said before that it's 
not a happy ending. It's a much more Sondheim into the woods style mm-hmm. ending, which I think is also a bold choice for a musical episode. Mm-hmm. I think most musical episodes go for a, a big happy finish. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, nine. Nine, nine sounds good. Nine sounds comfortable. If anything, to slight Jaws. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just take that one point away from him. All right. Direction. So mm-hmm. this has to do with, you know, cinematography, the blocking, the framing, the editing. We talked a little bit about this. I mean, a lot of the choreo blocking is very classic music theater blocking. We're all being very demonstrative as we walked from room to room in a way we're not normally on just TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, you know, adopted a slightly wider lens to capture yeah. more of it. We've mm-hmm. also got, I think... We've got some really fun directing moments here. We've got like 100%. really long takes that we don't normally get on this show. We do get some things again that are really uh, clear to the world of this show. Those smash cut jokes, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. But we do get stuff that is a departure uh, that is, I think, respectful of the medium that we're in. Totally, and we get really fun camera movement. You know, especially in uh, Anya and Xander's number, or um, in uh, when when does that happen? In in Spike's number when uh, they do like a lot of Dutch angles and like kind of weird oh Dutch angles suddenly because yeah. we're, we're in a rock song yeah exactly I mean, it's very fun and you know we get a long shot when we're walking through like what is Studio City <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um we're walking through what is fictionally Sunnydale yeah. um even though we've never seen that part of Sunnydale before I know, and it's we crazy. never will again. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a different world in which I am like obsessed with the idea of making a map of Sunnydale, by the way, because there oh, are like, my God. they mention at some point there are like something like 42 churches or something ludicrous yeah. like that. I, I, <laughs> like, I have a Buffy board game that has a map of Sunnydale and it is. I would love to look at it. Ridiculous. No, it is. It is not. It is not what you want. <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, like in this episode, like Tara says she's going to go to the magic shop and Dawn says she'll be okay on her own for half an hour, implying that it takes maybe maximum 15 minutes to get on foot to the magic shop. Like, oh, I don't know. But anyway, I think direction's yeah. really strong. Anyway, I don't think I have any notes, really. I don't either. Let's give it a 10. <laughs> this is getting bad. Okay. Because um, I already know what's going to happen here, which yeah. is commitment is the next category. So this is how much they commit to the concept of being a musical. How many songs are there? Like, what is our song per minute ratio? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really high. Again, we commit from the the start of the we episode. Jumped. We change our intro and we have a different conclusion than we've ever had. Yep. And we, everybody sings everything. Yep. <laughs> it's fully committed to me. There's not a moment where we're winking at it. A hundred percent. I mean, we are winking at, there's breaking the fourth wall, but in a, in an in-universe way that makes sense. I, I think hundred percent. Yeah. Really commit to this. And again, it's like all original music too. Like we've spent the man hours of like making this a very good musical episode. Um, so yeah, I think we hired a guy who does music and yeah. does musicals, yeah, you know, exactly. to come choreo. Like we, so yeah, I mean, it gets a 10. A this 10. is getting predictable. <laughs> So, because unfortunately, the next question is stakes. Um, And this is, you know, is this fundamentally, if you were watching the show, could you skip this episode and be okay? And the answer is no. Yeah. Right? Like, there are huge stakes for individual characters, for group character dynamics, for entire character arcs. Like, huge things happen in this episode because, again, we've taken the idea of singing what you can't say and doing mm-hmm. it quite literally. So a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are just so many secrets yep. <laughs> that come to the fore. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's like extremely high stakes. Yeah. Let's give yeah. it a 10. I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> Fuck off, dude. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Last but not least, our personal ranking, which will average between the two of us. It'll be really hard to average these numbers, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, any last statements, any last thoughts before we give our personal ranking? I'll have thoughts after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a 10. It's, it's a yeah, 10. It's, it's a, a, ten, a, it's a perfect musical. I mean, it's a perfect thing. I think maybe the only thing I would have 
in an, in an ideal world, Cordelia would have still been on the show. Oh, my God. How dare you put that in my brain? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can she sing? I don't care. <laughs> I, Cordelia oh no. talking through a song would still be the most delightful thing I'd ever heard in my life. I'm so sorry I did this to you. <laughs> Do you make me like this episode less? That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like, it sucks that I thought of that, but I needed to visit my trauma on you. And I'm so sorry. Um, All this to say, now- we have a cumulative rating of 97 out of 100 for once more with feeling. It's going to be tough to beat. I'd love to yeah, see the competition. Think? I mean, there's a reason we kind of had to get this episode, quote unquote, out of the way, right? I mean... First of all, we've named our entire podcast after this episode, but there is a reason for that. It is impossible to have a conversation about musical episodes of TV without talking about this episode. It was so influential and so seminal and so groundbreaking. Like, it wasn't the first musical episode. By a long shot, we're going to cover things that came before this, but this Mm -hmm. was so... uh, The impact of this was so much greater because this was a hit show in the peak of its viewership like taking this insane swing yep, and it fucking paid off like they did a really great job and uh it really did change the landscape and it it's also it's just a treat to watch man it's so good <laughs> i mean it's so fun yeah we're i we're obviously biased um but obviously that, that <laughs> is gonna be the framework of this whole show <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want an unbiased i mean the idea of listening to an unbiased podcast is ludicrous to yeah me. Like, that's, what's that's the point of that absolutely um this is not this is not npr's left brain center <laughs> fucking hate that show um but yeah no this is obviously this was always going to be the one to beat Mm -hmm. and so we needed to set this as our it's the highest bar that anyone's ever set unfortunately i I feel comfortable saying if a show uh passes this bar we'll change the name of our show we'll change the name of the show man we will be forced to All right, that wraps us up with a 97 out of 100. A tall order to beat for Buffy the Vampire Slayers once more with feeling. It is both our highest rated musical and our lowest rated musical at the moment. Wow, impressive, impressive. Well, we'll see if anyone can beat it next week. We'll see you once more with season six, episode six of Scrubs entitled My Musical. You can find this episode on Hulu and on Peacock. Thank you to Olivia Burslowski, our angelic audio architect, and to Sakana Powell, our debonair digital designer. If you like this show, please be sure to rate and review us. If you don't, keep it to yourself. You can find us on Instagram at Once More With TV or contact us using the information in the show notes. And scene.